Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. It's a privilege and an honor to have each of you, but it's a privilege and honor to have Lave and Jennifer. And um, I could go on about all of the accomplishments, all of the success in the kingdom, the million souls that have been led to Christ in Pakistan. But I just want to say what's dearest to my heart is that they're family. And that's the coolest thing when we get to invite people in and have people that are covenant family. And uh, we are so honored that they're not only uh, a father and mother to the house here, to Upper Room, and uh, they're just a really important part to who we are as a church, but to Nicole and I personally, a spiritual mom and, and papa. And, and uh, if you know Jennifer, she's been here, she spoke here, she's a mama bear. And, uh, and we just love her authenticity and how genuine and real she is. How many, how many of you just like real people? That's what you get with the package of Mama Jim and then Papa Lave, he's just a lover and uh, just absolutely incredible. So the last several years, um, I think we're going on six years-ish, six years of being in covenant with them and just being family. And uh, it's just been a privilege. It's, it's actually, um, it was at Marion, Indiana, Bethel, Marion, that uh, the Lord used Lave in their ministry to literally transform my life. And uh, we were in a hard season there. Uh, my mom had just passed away. We were in the middle of this building being built. We had just had our third daughter. Uh, our, our lives were in an upheaval. And uh, Pastor Do Todd Dalton invited us over to Indiana. He's like, you need to come here. There's this, there's this guy coming, and, and you need to be there. And I'm like, of all times, this is like the most inconvenient time in my life. But I was burnt out. I was just in a mess in ministry, in my life, my heart. And uh, thank God I said yes and went and trusted our family there. And uh, I received, you know, the baptism of love. I, I received an impartation of just God's, God's love. And I knew the power. I knew the fire of God. I knew the fire of the Holy Ghost. But then when the love of the Father came into my life, it totally transformed me. It saved our marriage uh, again, <laughs> saved my life, saved our ministry. And, uh, man, it's, it's been really good ever since. So we owe them so much. But they say, no, we don't owe them anything. But anyways, without anything else, oh, I need to dismiss kids. It was, it was a really good lead up. I was, like, just getting ready to, like, the live it, Jennifer. Live it. Anyway, kids, you're dismissed. Are there any age limitations up to five and under? Five and under, kids dismissed. Uh, so they're going to have a great time out there. Go in there, turn left, check your kids in. All right. Lave and Jennifer, we love you. Thanks for coming here. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being family. PTSD when he first started the offering conversation we were um, privileged to be part of a group in Cuba and in that particular situation they would actually come and put money at the feet of the preacher while they preached and so you know we're going to be honoring and I'm like I'm going to be the first of us little Americans to go do that you know and so one after one, our team was generous, super generous, and then I got up to speak, and no one put anything at my feet. <laughs> it wasn't that I needed the Cuban pesos. I just needed a little bit of encouragement, you know? I fell asleep, and uh, it was grand. So, I, yeah, I have a little so-so here over offering times, but uh, no. I'm really messing with you. It, wasn't, it was hilarious, though. A um, couple of products we wanted to, if you've heard Leif preach pretty much anywhere, you've heard him talk about the three chairs and living from chair number one in a place of rest. And we have this out on the table, but we're also going to give this away. And I do not like this 
point because there it is. And then if you want it, you better get it. <laughs> There's also a sermon illustration in that. It's coming shortly. Um, this is a book that I started writing when my oldest was around 18, I guess, and he is now 29. So it's been years in process, and I actually almost had to wait till Courtney was old enough to illustrate it for me. So all of the artwork, and this is really beautiful artwork, um, is my daughter Courtney. So I wrote a story for each of our children based on the nicknames I gave them when they were kids. So it is a story for all generations. And the way I kind of present it is those who have eyes to see and ears to hear will kind of get the, the gist of these stories. But four children, same household, same set of parents, complete individuals. So parents or grandparents, again. There's your little girl, come on, go, go, go. There we go. Oh, there we go. Yay! So a little bit before life gets going here, um, I heard someone teaching about the Shunammite woman. And if you haven't heard the story or haven't visited it in recent history, uh, it's a story about a lady. And it was during the days of Elisha. And if you want to follow along, you're welcome to. If you don't, I'll read it anyway. Second uh, Kings 4, whoa, 8 through 37. So one day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. <laughs> I think her name should have been Jennifer. So, you're hungry, you need to eat. Uh, so whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, let's go to Ikea. Because the next part says, let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed. A table, a chair, and a lamp. See, she went to Ikea. She got it all ready. So whenever he comes by, he will have a place to dwell. We call that a profit room. If you don't have a profit room in your home, make one. If you want the prophets to come and visit and feed them and feed them well. So one day he came there. And so he did this every time he came into the area. And so he asks her, is there anything I can do for you? There are a whole lot of gold nuggets throughout the story because pretty much she did this just because she perceived him to be a man of God. So she was sensitive. She was sensitive to understanding that this was a man of God. She also didn't want anything. She didn't, I'm going to set up this room because one day this guy is going to be really kind and turn around and ask me what I want. There was no ulterior motive, purely out of a heart of service and love that she did these things. So he says, is there anything you want me to do? You want me to introduce you to the king? She's like, I'm good. I'm really good. So then he asks his servant, what do you think she wants? You know, it's kind of like asking some husbands what their wives want for Christmas. And it's like, oh, oh. But the servant says, well, she has no son. And her husband is old. And if you've ever studied Old Testament history or history of any kind, very often, women were only considered valuable if they could produce an heir. Women have had value since the beginning of creation before there ever was an heir. So, he said, well, you know, maybe she wants a kid, right? So, Elisha says to her, listen to these words, man. Oh, my Lord, oh man of God, do not lie to your servant. But she conceived, and she had a son the following spring, just as Elisha had said to her. And then the story goes on. The son was out on the field with his dad, and he's, he exclaims loudly, My head! My head! And the dad says, Take him to his mother. And the little boy died on her lap. This is what you got to catch. And this isn't male or female. I think you guys have been with us long enough to understand that anything that is talked about in Scripture, we get to grab hold of. Amen. It's not a gender issue. I do believe in genders. I do believe that God created male and female. Yes. Created he them. 
with beautiful brush strokes, you know? It's just wonderful. We celebrate. Viva la difference. <laughs> but she takes the little boy up to the prophet's room and she lays him on the bed. And the next part, I mean, I have such an active imagination. So, I mean, she's like getting ready to kick stuff. Because <laughs> she comes downstairs and she tells one of the servants, get me the donkey. Although in my head, it's a steed. Magnificent steed. And she says to the servant, do not slow down on my behalf. And where are you going? I'm going to the prophet. Why are you going to the prophet? It's not. What did it say? Uh, it is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, all is well. <laughs> like, and no, it's not. Your baby boy just died. But she says, all is well. And so she books it to the prophet. The prophet, Elisha, sees her and he says to his servant, go find out what's wrong. She, she, she's like, come like a, you know, she's kind of, kind, of, kind of fast and a little crazy there. And, uh, prophet goes out and she says again to I mean the servant and she says all is well until she gets to the man of God and I love her words then she said in verse 28 did I ask my Lord for a son did I not say do not deceive me and he's like oh snap <laughs> got me one mad mama right here and he goes to his servant take my staff go put it on the boy mama's like nope and she fell at his feet you are coming home with me and they rode home together and Elisha raised the boy from the dead sometimes what we beg God for we see it die but are you tenacious enough to go after its resurrection? Are you willing to get on your donkey and go wherever you need to go to see your promise come back to life? I don't know why other than the, the idea of just doing what God lays on your heart to do, giving it back to him, understanding through all seasons of life that we have an opportunity to be tenacious, to go after that thing that God has laid on our hearts, our dreams. My daughter's in YWAM in Norway, and she said they asked them, what did you do as a child? So I get a text, mom, what did I do as a kid? And one of the biggest things I remember about Catherine <coughs> is she made a family out of everything. Go to the restaurant, get the little coloring thing. She gets a blue one and a green one and a red one and a lala one. And it's a, just a mommy and a daddy and a baby. Everything. We're out digging in the garden. And I grew up with brothers. Worms don't bother me. I didn't want them to bother my kids either. She had a mommy worm and a daddy worm and a baby worm. Everything had to do with family. She also tattooed and pierced her Barbies and cut their hair. <laughs> and arranged their apartments. And then it was her bedroom. First I wanted pink. Now I wanted purple with green polka dots. And everything had to match and the bed had to face a certain way. Do you know what Catherine loves to do now? design and family the longing in her heart to become a mother and it caused me to pause and remember what did I do as a little girl because God knew you from before you were born he created you to be you whatever that is whatever thrilled your heart as a child and sometimes people stomp on it and make it ugly or they try to steal it but ask God tonight what was it that gave my heart wings as a child what was it and resurrect it 
get to the Father and say, help me bring it back. I love you guys. Y'all are so sweet. I really do. I love coming up here. I love the cold weather. I love the deer while they're still living and not being shot with an arrow by certain people that I also love. I even held a kitten. I'm allergic to cats. But it was so sweet. Okay, I'm done. Isn't she amazing? Some days she says. I was just thinking about when your miracle needs a miracle. And that was the very story. When your miracle, when you're being given a miracle to a child, but when your miracle needs a miracle. And I thought it was connected both with John 12 that you were sharing earlier where both Mary and Martha and Lazarus, because the reason they were gathered, had a family gathering, was because they had a miracle that also had needed a miracle, their brother. And when he was raised from the dead, that's why they had this incredible party. And that's when Mary, Mary captures something because somehow she knew that he was the resurrection in life. Amen. And she knew that early. That's why she took a year salary, poured it at his feet. But it was not just Mary and Jesus got the aroma. Everybody in the room got the aroma. And then eventually the incredible thing is it led to an incredible harvest because this says that many people, Jews, they came to Jesus. But not just to Jesus, but also listened to Lazarus. They wanted to hear that testimony. Let me tell the story. And he starts to talk about when he was sick and weak and eventually how he ended up in the grave and then how Jesus came in this incredible resurrection story. And I thought about that for every one of us that we have an incredible testimony. We have a resurrection story and the very aroma of Jesus will start to spread around when people are seeing that our miracle is actually receiving a miracle. So I just... Uh, Sensing that there's such an incredible, beautiful family atmosphere here. And I just believe that we're going to expect him for some great things tonight. I I was sharing a little earlier with some of the leaders that uh, I didn't sleep much last night. And actually the last three nights has been one of those moments where you came home from Europe, went up to Chicago and had some meetings with some first snow in Chicago. And then this morning... I was supposed to have this Skype call with, and I did have it, but it was like 500 top imams and scholars and leaders from around the Middle East was meeting together in this room, and, and I was trying to get my iPad to work. I'm laying all night and sitting there and trying to figure out, I think my miracle needed a miracle. <laughs> and I needed to get healed from technophobia and some other issues that I have. And uh, so I almost called Aaron Simmons at uh, six in the morning, and because I'm looking at my watch, and. Then eventually I ended up on Skype. And I have this one person, if, if you see him on my phone, you will see he's a pretty scary looking guy. And so he's coming, he's going to give me the instruction from Pakistan what I have to do. And that didn't help me a whole lot because I hadn't slept. And I'm trying to push the right buttons to hear the sounds and everything else. And this guy is, is there. But then he says something. <laughs> it's kind of a fun because this guy said, he says, Papa Leif, he said. And I'm like... Because I've never seen this guy before, you pop up and say, I read your book, Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes. And I was like sitting there with a person, if you looked at him, you would maybe think that he's far from it, but he was describing that. And that was the connection. And he kind of, so here I have a radical Muslim that has given me the instruction and helped me into comfort. And we were able to release. And then I got the pictures a while later, just of a, a... yeah, both from the meeting and what Jesus, I believe, was doing in that meeting because uh, as all of us have an aroma. There's something of the aroma of Jesus. And I thought just to look at a couple of things that has been touching me lately. There's a scripture verse that says, Jesus came to save that which was lost. That's Luke 19, 10. How many of you know that sometimes you have a word, you have a scripture and you're studying a scripture, but you do not realize that is actually studying you. You maybe think that you have a verse until a verse gets you. And that verse was one of those that traveled with me for a long period of time that Jesus came to save that which was lost. I believe it is including sin, but it is more that was included in what Jesus came for. So I don't know where the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy 
But I know in those areas, Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. So it's almost like any area where the enemy has taken from me everything from sleep to health to finances to relationship. It was almost me like making a list of those different areas that Jesus came to save that which was lost. But it was not before I was in Cambodia and I'd been in Phnom Penh and there was this incredible redemption where about 4,000 young people and baptism of love came into this room. i never forget it. As 4,000 young people with a fatherlessness and father deficiency, the scream that came out of them as the liquid love went in and this mass healing and deliverance took place in the room. And then afterwards I knew I had to go to see the genocide museum and then also to be able to see some of the horrific things that has taken place in that nation. And my heart was so broken, so we went up to northern, northern Cambodia and had a meeting with about 500 people, and it was a healing meeting. And it was some incredible creative miracles and healing. I remember exactly where you were sitting, there was a lady. I mean, she was deaf and mute, and Jesus just opened up her ears, and she started to speak. And somebody was sitting right there that was blind, and Jesus just opened up the eye. So we're going to have testimonies. We have all these people lined up there just to testify what Jesus has done. And as they started to testify, this one lady came up and I was like, she said, I, and the translator said, I, I, I don't know how to read and I don't know how to write. And the translator told me and I'm like, okay, what did Jesus do for you? And she said, well, I, I don't know how to read and I don't know how to write. And I'm like, okay, what did Jesus do for her? Well, I mean, what was her testimony? And I think it was like four or five times, finally, I'm like, I don't think she understands. I mean, this is a testimony. And the translator says, no, 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 you are the one that don't understand. <laughs> and I had shared his verse, Jesus came to save that which is lost. And you need to understand that when the Khmer Rouge came in and they were killing people all over, what the parents decided is that if we have children that are ignorant, they maybe save them. Because anybody, there was ignorance, so... What parents do is they avoid them to learn how to read and write. And that was at least one hope that they were not going to kill their children. And I had already seen these horrific scenes of what the enemy had done. So I was just so broken over this when I heard the story of her. And then I remembered a verse that but Jesus came to save that which was lost. And I have it actually on my phone, a little video from it. We opened up the Khmer Bible. And it's one of the most difficult Bibles. And I, I said, okay, let's, let's read. And she said, no, no, I, I don't know how to read. I, I, don't know. I never learned how to read and write. I said, but Jesus came to save that which was lost. He said, but no, I, I don't know how to read. But Jesus came to save, oops, that which was lost. And then eventually she looking down in the Khmer Bible. And then in front of everybody, tears started to flow down. And she starts to just read and read in Khmer. And tears flowing down. She released in that room, and before the meeting was over, there was 85 people in that room that started to read that had never learned how to read before. And that was one of my first encounters with this verse. And uh, since then, it's like when I'm seeing different areas where the enemy has gone after people, it's almost that verse hit me. And then later on, uh, and I'm going to just look at a couple of scripture verses, and then we're going to just release. But I want you to open up your Bible to John chapter 20, verse 19 to 23. These are also some of those verses that has continued to drill deep in me. Uh, and again, for quite a few years, I've been reading these verses. But again, I didn't realize the verses has continued to read me. And I want us to just tap into that for a few moments. John 20, verse 19 to 23. Then the same day at evening. Say evening. evening. Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut. Say when the doors were shut. Where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Say fear. fear. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace, peace be with you. And when he said that, he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw it was the lord then jesus said to them again peace peace to you as the father sent me i also send you and when he said that he breathed on them and said receive receive the holy spirit and if you forgive the sins of any they will be forgiven but if you retain the sins of any they will be retained I do not know exactly why these verses became so 
critical for me. There's been about two, three times that I've had it. I call it an upgrade. I don't know if you've ever had an upgrade. You kind of get the 2.0 version. And I just did it with my iPhone again and my iPad. There was, they're telling you, you have to upgrade this again. And, and then suddenly I don't even understand it. But it's like yeah, I had a baptism of love version and then the 2.0 version comes. Well, I have written a book on healing the orphan spirit, but then I realized I'm dealing with all these orphan issues and I realized there's another 2.0 version. And that was kind of with these verses. And I think the first time, and I was just, as I was sitting up front, I was just thinking about one of the first times these verses, and I still will remember, I was sitting in my car from Huntsville, Alabama, and in a moment, the presence of Jesus is just coming into the car. And I'm starting to feel, and there's actually a couple of people, I think, in here that was part of the meetings there. But I was just sitting there, and I'm like, ooh. And then a guy named Christopher, at that time, but you could talk on the cell phone. Christopher calls me and says, hello. And we start to talk. He's a pastor in Ankeny, Iowa, Christopher Olson. And he's on the phone. And the next moment, I just hear, and he's gone. And I say, Christopher. And I thought, this is rude. And he says, hello, Christopher. Christopher. I couldn't hear anything. Later on, I found out that he ended up on the ground. <laughs> so when he came up, he was like, what happened? I need to go in staff meeting. He walked by Laura, and ooh, Laura falls off the chair. And he thought, this is strange. This has not happened before. He comes into the office where the staff meeting is, and boom, the presence just shows up. So it was the first time these verses, and I had just been meditating on these verses and the presence, and uh, some of you maybe heard the story, it was the first quadriplegic, or excuse me, paralyzed from the neck and down I saw in America. That was happened there in Ankeny during these meetings. But it was when we came up there, there was such an expectation in the room, and I felt a little bit like it during the worship. It was this extravagant worship, because already the rumors has come around that Jesus is there. And they could feel it. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about the presence. So people started to call friends and family members. I know one person drove 10 hours to come to the meetings. So by the time we came there, we was going to have a meeting. There was this expectancy in the room. And where people was like, we're waiting for something to happen. And Jesus just came into the room. And he just, he filled that room with his presence. And I never forget one man who was holding up his phone and said, my dad has Alzheimer's. And he was in Arkansas. We are in Ankeny, Iowa, and the presence just hit him. And then other people, cancer. And we started just to see these things taking place. And I didn't get to preach or teach, but these were the verses that was just, I was studying the verses. I ended up on the floor. The worship team was on the floor. Everybody was just on the floor. Jesus just showed up. And Dave Olson and I remember we were laying there. And then I found out that Steve, one of the guys in the worship team, Finally, late that night, and one guy there just needed a surgery, was just totally healed. So there was both miracles and healings that was taking place just in this presence. So I'm putting that together with these verses. So Steve, who had been playing guitar during the worship time, when the meeting was late and we were leaving, he was just walking right out and he was pale. And I'm like, Steve, I was going to ask him what happened, but he was like, again, I thought this is kind of a rude. He wouldn't even... But he looked like a ghost. He just walked out. And later on, the next day, I was able to talk to Stephen. He said, no, you don't understand that. Last night when we were in the presence, he said, uh, what people don't know, I've gone to RTF and all these inner healing souls and all the different things to try to get healing. Because in high school, when I was a senior, my high school girlfriend became pregnant. And uh, I pretty much forced her to have an abortion. And later on, I got saved. And then I met my wife, and they have three big boys. And then my wife, and then he said, and I, I've always thought I should have had a little girl. And I never did. But while we were there in the present, in a moment, I, I don't know what happened, but my spirit went up. And in the next moment, I was there, and Jesus was there. And Jesus took my hand, opened up, and there was this door. And I opened, I went in there, and then he says, I want to introduce you to your daughter. And... Uh, I never forgot the face of him because he said, uh, and people, you can question it. And, but all I know about him is that he said, uh, uh, and she said, Dad, I forgive you. And, and then they danced. And in the next moment, by the time when the spirit came back in his body, he was totally free. And then I was thinking about a verse in John where it says, whom the son set free is free. And when the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Free. So when the spirit starts to move, this incredible freedom that took place. 
And this started with this extravagant worship that we went in and his presence filled the place. But then I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about it even this evening, that you can be on this journey with Jesus, thinking about people like Matthew, had left everything. He was a tax collector. That would be like giving money to ISIS. I mean, he took money from God's people, gave it to the very one that crucified Christians. Until Jesus came in and how he got so transformed. Or John, the son of thunder, that he became the apostle whom Jesus loved. And I just think about all these biblical characters that was together with Jesus. But here we are seeing this very thing where their miracle needed a miracle. Because Friday come along and it looked like all the hope was gone. Everything seems devastating. I don't know if you've been there. Sometimes there's this battle you fight before the battle you win. Other times there's a battle you fight after the battle you won. But this was one of those moments for the disciples. Here they are and, and they had watched this crucifixion scene. And the reason they were gathered together was because of fear. The same thing that happened with Jesus was about to happen to them. And now they are stuck in this room of fear. The very one that is supposed to do the same things that Jesus did and even greater things. Amen. The very one that had seen through their hands they multiply food. The very one that had been so transformed by him now needed another transformation. They needed another upgrade. And then we know the story here and that's what the Bible says that Jesus just comes and this is what we are experiencing here. Jesus just came into that room and appears among them. I want you to say, we may say, his presence. His presence, his presence changes everything. His everything. And there's something about his presence in the moment. And the last time this verse was just my last trip to Pakistan. Some of you have heard the story. Six months, and I was thinking about showing the video, but six months of attack after attack after attack that was going on, including this tension between India and Pakistan. They shut down the air services. Eventually, I was able to get into Islamabad. The storm came and was just trying to stop for 10 hours all night. It was just hitting and hitting. And we spent six months in preparation. We're going to do this stadium event in an unreached area. But this storm... It's not rain season. You can follow on the satellite just hitting us with a car. And now you've been going there in six months and then you come to the point in this room, totally stuck in this room. And I remember very clearly these verses before I went over there. I'm in this room. The mosque is right outside. It's damp and it drops 10 degrees. This imam appears out of nowhere, just a spirit, an imam. And for six months, the enemy said, you're not going to be able to make it. And it was all these hits. And I'm totally by myself. And I have a breakdown in that room. But then these verses again came. Then suddenly in a moment, I remember these verses. In the middle of it, I'm, I'm crippled in fear. And I'm totally stuck in the room. They had to cancel the whole event. That we spent six figure, spent six months in preparation. And it was canceled because the rain went in. And over the stadium, just continued to hammer and flooded the stadium. And at that moment, when I got the news back, after six months believing, three times risking your life, and here you are. And this is kind of the situation with the disciples. And again, I didn't realize this is an invitation for me to have the 2.0 version. And then I'm sitting in that room and I start again to go back to the memory stones of his presence. And in the same way, Jesus, as you did with the disciples, fill this room with your presence. He doesn't have to knock on the door because Jesus is the door. Jesus just fills that place. And that's what's going to happen in our lives. It's going to happen in our marriages. It's going to happen in our homes. It's just that presence of Jesus come and fill this room. Because when you have his presence, you have everything. If you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And it's amazing that you can just sit there and look on a Skype and just release a presence in a room in the Middle East. Because that environment of his presence. But then the second thing was his peace. He says, peace on you. From his presence, there was his peace. In that room, outside Saiwal, the supernatural peace just filled that room. I'm still in the middle of the storm. Nothing has changed, but I have changed. And you have authority over the storms you can rest in. So Jesus was asleep in the middle of a storm. Because where his father was, there was peace. So you can speak to the storms around you and there's longer, there's no longer storm on the inside. So the first thing he did was to fill that room and he changed it with his presence. Say his presence. And then the second was his peace. Say his peace. And I'm just going to release even tonight, there's going to be peace to your mind and peace to your body, peace to your sleep. Heveni shalom, shalom alachem. 
that there's going to be this supernatural peace that we're going to be imparted with. So blessed are the peacemakers. They are the sons and daughters of God. That we're going to be able to walk in peace because we've received. Say received. Receive. We've received his presence. We've received his peace. Say his peace. Receive. The third thing that he does is show them his hands and his side. And this excites me a little bit. He showed them his hands and his side. Do you know what this means? This is a marriage statement. Sometimes you can forget your wedding band. And you're coming on another date with Jesus. But this is actually saying, I am. Look at my hands and my side. What do you need? I got cancer. I am your healer. I feel very weak right now. I am your strength. I feel a little sad. I am your joy. Look at my hands on my side. Every issue that you are going through, I am, is being revealed. So I'm in the hotel room, his presence, his peace. And then I'm looking at his hands on his side. And I know that everything I'm about to face, because I was afraid I was going to die for a few moments. But now in the next moment, it is hard. <laughs> you become free, because when the sun set free, it becomes free. His presence, his peace. But then his provision. And you're going to see there's supernatural provision. There's healing for the people that need healing. There's certainly now also resources for the people that need it. He paid for that. So Jesus came to save that which was lost. So say with me. Say his presence. Say his peace. His provision. And then I love this one. They became glad. Wow. Congratulations. So before that, it was a little heaviness and this and that. And now that room is full with his presence. It was full of the peace of Jesus. And then it was the provision of Jesus. But now they got the passion of Jesus. Whoa, be careful. That kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. <laughs> and you can maybe become a joyful Christian. And maybe the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. So be careful. You can become contagious. Maybe that joy virus and you will start to hop on people. <laughs> I've, I've had it and people don't even know. You're just standing in the midst of a group of very serious Muslim imams. And in a moment, I don't, it's like, I don't mean to leak right now. It's like, <laughs> I just realized that joy starts to spread. Because this environment changes the environments. And there's an environment changer in you. Whoa, and he wants to get out. Say his presence, his peace, his provision, his passion, his peace. Oh, there's double for your trouble, double for your trouble. The only thing they received twice was peace. He says, peace on you. And all of this is just an alignment. Now the assignment can begin. So the beautiful part that I love here is first he fills that place with his presence, then his peace. The very people that has been with Jesus, something is changing with their environment when his environment starts to show up. And then from that very place, he says, now as the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you. And I'm sure that if we realize, what if Jesus were to become you for 24 hours or perhaps a week? I know there was a couple of professors here from United, some dear friends. But what if Jesus became certainly the dean at United or became professor or leader? Or perhaps he became the pastor or the car mechanic. Would it be any different in the atmosphere? Or perhaps if you were married to Jesus for the next week, would it be any difference? I mean, this is actually, this is the reality of these scripture verses. What he says now, as the Father has sent me, now I'm going to send you. Before he said, it's going to be better that I go away. Because actually, I'm going to give you a comfort. I'm going to give you a power. You are actually going to do the same thing that I did and even greater things. And I'm like, Jesus, could we just stop with the same thing, not that greater thing? <laughs> and then from that place, it moves into... Receive, receive the Holy Spirit. With that new purpose, and that new purpose, if you're a school teacher, you will say, wow, thank God it is Monday. <laughs> if you work at McDonald's, thank God. Wow, I can't wait for the week to start because I'm going to take his presence with me. 
and I'm going to release his peace with me. And then every issue I meet on a daily basis, wherever I go, if it is the opiate addiction, I have looked at the I am. And my response back is, you are. And the world around me will say, he is. When we capture the I am, what do we say? And what does the world around us say? And when they start to talk, journalists start to talk about, wow, Jesus. And it starts to spread. Wow. This is exactly, I got the experience in these verses just in March. From a breakdown in a room to eventually coming in, they led into a meeting with the president of Pakistan. Parliament of Pakistan. Meeting in different things. All of it started to change. But it started with me certainly first having where my miracle needed a miracle. And it looked like a breakdown. It was a long Friday. And then it is the Saturday between before Sunday is coming. And I have an encouragement to you. Maybe there has been a Friday for you, but Sunday is coming. It's not over yet. It's maybe been a very, very long Friday, but Sunday is Sunday is coming. My wife and myself, we were visiting some friends, and I had been sharing a little bit on these verses. Actually, I spoke it at the church, and then Monday we're doing a leadership gathering. That's where a Lutheran church where our daughter Courtney is part of. And then suddenly, that one daughter just came right in there and had problem and hadn't felt life with a baby, walked into the room where we were sitting, and everybody was kind of in a shock. And we had been singing a song, and my wife, uh, what, do you remember the song you and Irene sang? Uh, but I've been singing this one song, but it was connected to this thing. And then eventually we got the news when we got to Holland that uh, it maybe it was a Friday. She said, it was Friday, but I knew Sunday was coming. That I didn't find any life in a baby, but then Sunday came along and, and the baby is healthy and his birth healthy. And we've seen a lot of people with these Friday moments, but then Sunday is coming. One more verse and then we're going to land this and we're going to pray. Are you guys okay? Say when we say his presence, his, presence. his, peace. his peace, his provision, his, provision. his, passion. his passion, his peace, his, peace. his purpose, his, purpose. His, power. his power. He breathes on him and says, receive now the power to go along with his upgraded purpose. Whoa. And then the last time it is, say, his paradigm, his, paradigm. His, perspective. his perspective. He says, now if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. <gasps> this is, I thought only God can forgive the sins. No, he says, if you forgive the sins, points to them. Not if Jesus forgives the sin. He said, no, if you forgive the sins of any, your view towards the people around you has all to do with how Papa will treat them. If you judge them, there's judgment happened, not because it is the Father, but you came there to represent His presence, His peace, His provision, His passion, His peace. Stepping into your purpose, your lane, your assignment with His power and getting His perspective, His paradigm with the eyes of love that do not see people just the way they are, but the way they're going to be. And uh, I'm landing with this story because the one that opened up the meeting that I had early this morning, very influential, about 60 million people were watching through TV all over the world, including in this state. And it ended with me looking on the television and God was asking me what I was seeing. And eventually I had to change the way I was seeing and seeing him the way that Papa God sees him. Because you don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny when you have the eyes of love. And so through this encounter, and then eventually came to visit my wife, uh, I ended up in Washington, D.C., in this government meeting in D.C., where there were some people together. My wife was leading the team, and she was coming home, and this Muslim leader says, I want to come to Atlanta to see you. And I was thinking about it. I didn't even have the time to connect with the mosque and to bring him here and everything else. And then I was thinking about my wife, and so we eventually invited him to come to our area, and we sat in my office, and some of you maybe heard this story, but I just... It's this verse again that just came from me because my view towards him had all to do with the environment that was going to change. And we're sitting in my office and I was trying to get some wisdom and I had put the Al-Quran and the Bible on the top shelf. So when he came into my office, he saw the Al-Quran in Arabic and then he took it down and, and he started to read. And I was sitting there and I was exhausted because we were jet lagged. We had just come home and I'd been in D.C. and all over the place. So... 
I started to kind of get a little tired there. And then the presence of Jesus is coming into the office. And I was first thinking, this is not a good time, Jesus. It's like, <laughs> I had this PhD scholar in Islam sitting there reading the Al-Quran in Arabic. And I'm just like, ooh. And I started to see this kind of a double. And I'm looking at him as like, ooh. <clears throat> and I'm like almost trying, the more I try, the worse it gets. I'm like, to focus. And finally he says, well, well, what are you doing to me? I said, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, what is, what is this tingling like from the top of my head? And it, it goes down. That, that's why I had this morning, that Skype of all these leaders. Around. It started with that, his presence, his peace, and his provision. So we're sitting in the office and finally it's saying that, he looks at me and he feels this tingling, and I said, well, it's, it's the presence of Jesus. And then I have a word of knowledge. I had enough favor to pray for him, but I didn't have enough favor to touch him. So I asked him, would it be okay if I pray for you? And he didn't say any, so for me that means yes. <laughs> he just stared at me, and I said, okay. I came over, and I put my hand this much over his head, and I just blessed him, and blessed him in the name of Jesus. And but I didn't know that he've had a stomach condition for 12 years. And he has not been able to eat a lot of different foods, but he could feel this heat. He didn't say it. And it went down to his stomach, just this heat, and went all over his body, up and down. First a tingling, and I thought, well, he may be getting a baptism of love here. And <laughs> because he even felt this liquid kind of thing. It was just like, wow. And then this heat. And then so what happened the next morning i'm picking him up at windham hotel right down the street from us and i'm coming there and this imam with all of his outfit is standing outside and in the deep south people are looking at him and <laughs> <laughs> and i'm coming up and, and he's going to pick me up and i said dr leaf he called me dr leaf said, you come to my room and i'm thinking am i in trouble <laughs> so he take my hand and we walk to his room i've never been to his hotel room before so i came into his room and he opened up his laptop, and there on Skype is his two wives with nine children from all different ages. And he says, I want you to give them what I've received yesterday. So in Wyndham Hotel, I'm releasing a prayer there, and I found out later on, that room get filled with his presence. Later on that November, I went in the Philippines, and we have our team with us in the Philippines. And then as we are there, uh, right before I'm speaking, we, I'm going to be there on leaving this week again. We have about a thousand of our young leaders of our family, and I know Paul Yado has been here. So Paul is waiting for me to come and share with the family, and I see WhatsApp. And I never look at my phone in meetings, but there's that WhatsApp. Oh, it's that person, this leader. So I'm just saying, I sneak out, and I'm looking at it, and he said, well, uh, uh, he had put an ad in the paper telling people that are sick, women that could not have children, people that are being hunted by magic. He put this ad to come to this mosque. He doesn't know why he has done it. It's a little Jehovah sneaky thing going here, so be careful. So now in the next moment he said, but... So I don't know how to pray this way. And I found out later on, so here in the mosque, we are in the Philippines. And that mosque gets filled with the presence of Jesus. That was part of connected to my, that's part of the reason that this verse, this morning when I was there and having all these battles and the moment you can be stuck in fear and you feel this like I had a night, this tension and a war going on and then in a moment, it was just in a moment, you remember the presence. And his presence, the presence of Jesus just changes everything. And then his peace and then his provision <laughs> and then getting the oil of gladness back. On Pentecost, there was passion, fire, so that you can burn brightly without burning out. Tongues of fire. But it was wind, there was power. But it was also wine, there was pleasure, the enjoyment of God. So here you see the passion of God. You see the power of God and the pleasure of God. <laughs> that he wants to release. And by Acts 19, 10, everyone in Asia had heard this gospel, this good news. It was spreading, it was contagious. 
Can we stand to our feet and can you maybe come up and join us? I just sense that we're going to, I'm just feeling that our family here is going to be a family, sons and daughters of his presence. And wow, this is going to be a lifestyle, sons and daughters with a dove. Whoa. And he's going to fill your room with his presence. Josue, can you come up here because that's what you carry. I just... Let's just, uh, I just sense you're going to just release that presence over them. Josue is from Cuba. He's also a son and a spiritual grandson, actually. So I want you to come out. I just sense I want you to release the presence because you carry that grace of his presence. I remember you when you were a young 19-year-old. And uh, the first time I saw that, you leaked the presence into that room and the atmosphere changed. And I will never forget that 19-year-old that was just pulling from heaven. So, Wow. Can we just receive the grace when one of us have something? What I do is I just recognize <laughs> that somebody has something and then you honor and then you have access what you honor. So, Josue, could you just release uh, people to be filled with his presence in this place? They're, whoa. <laughs> Let's just receive and let fill this room now with his presence. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Let me say that. Nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. And I just want you. Can we say it? Nothing else, yes, huh? Nothing else. And nothing else will do And I just want 